morning and welcome back to 28 Tech. I'm Angelina Draper and this week we visit a theme that is often misunderstood and wrongly associated with something purely used for entertainment, to keep in touch with family and friends, and let's be honest, to waste time. I am of course talking about social media. Today we use the term as if it's been around forever, but that's not the case. There is some dispute over who coined the term first, but one of the earliest citations of it being used the way we do today dates back to 1997, when an AOL executive used it to describe the need to offer users a place where they could be entertained and communicate. Since then, the likes of Facebook, Google+, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, and the list goes on and on, have made their way into our homes and hearts, and especially into our hands through smartphones and mobile devices. On today's episode, we'll explore the alternative ways social media is impacting our lives, starting with Misha Benolier, the co-founder of FireChat. This is the app that recently reached worldwide attention when pro-democracy protesters in Hong Kong started using it in mass. And I happened to be in Hong Kong on Saturday. Um, like uh, in the last few months, I was complaining that we didn't have uh, a lot of users in Hong Kong. And on Sunday, when I looked at uh, basically the messages on FireChat that were fl- flowing like crazy and new chat rooms being created, well, I quickly re- realized it was linked to the to the event. And uh, we got like more than 100,000 people who were signing up on the, during the day of Sunday. Later on in the show, I'll talk to Fergus Hay from Social at Ogilvy, who tells us more about the way companies are using social media to interact with customers and the impact it has on their brands. To get in touch with the show, email me at 28tech at rthk.hk. Now, let's get started with this week's top news stories from around the world. A Taiwanese company called AirSig has created a unique login mechanism for unlocking mobile phones. Users wave their device like a wand, and although the gesture is reminiscent of a Harry Potter scene, developers say it is a very safe login. The startup's co-founder, Mark Yu, explains to the BBC's Richard Taylor how it works. We are providing a solution using the existing hardware, which is available in every smartphone, any hardware wearable device, to uh, actually turn into authentication. We capture the uniqueness of everyone's writing. That really proves what you are. And we use the sensor to track your air signature in the air, and we can actually determine who you are. This is a normal Android phone. It has the sensor that we need, and I can just turn on any app I want. For example, I can just do this like a Harry Potter, and I just open Facebook from a last screen. Apple is expected to unveil their newest iPads on October 16th at an event in their headquarters. The company is not revealing any information in advance of the launch, but industry experts say we should expect a gold color option for the full-sized iPad and a smaller iPad mini. Apple is also said to be working on a large 12.9-inch tablet expected to be introduced sometime next year. The Wall Street Journal reported plans for Amazon to open the first brick-and-mortar outlet in the company's 20-year history. The New York City location is on the same street as the department store Macy's and is expected to open in time for the holiday shopping season. The location will act as a small warehouse handling same-day deliveries, returns and exchanges and allow customers to pick up orders placed online. (laughs) 
According to an iOS developer who leaked screenshots and code from Facebook's Messenger app, users will soon be able to send money to each other in the same way they transfer images within the app. It appears the service is already installed in Messenger and just needs to be activated by Facebook. In the U.S., the company already has permission for some forms of money transfer, and earlier this year they requested regulatory approval to obtain e-money status in their European base in Ireland. Facebook has yet to comment on the leak. The ice cream and fast food company Dairy Queen admitted this week that hackers may have accessed customer names and credit card information at almost 400 outlets in the U.S. The security breach took place between August and October this year. The Minnesota-based company, which is owned by Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, says there's no evidence that other information, such as social security numbers, card pin numbers and email addresses, were stolen. The company also says the malware problem has now been fixed. My first guest today is a Frenchman called Misha Benoulier, who now lives in San Francisco, where he heads a company called Open Garden with co-founders Stanislav Shalunov and Greg Hazel. While the company of only 13 employees does also make other communication tools and apps, the one that has propelled them to international fame is called FireChat. This is an app that allows users to chat without the need of an internet connection, making it ideal for large-scale events such as concerts, or in the case of Taiwan and Hong Kong, protests, where it was difficult to catch a Wi-Fi signal at the heart of the protest location. Misha explains the origin of the app's idea and the technology that makes it all work. FireChat was creating to enable you to message in situations where normally you wouldn't be able to message people. And it was built as a demonstration of our technology of peer-to-peer mesh networking. So, for example, we built FireChat to be used during concerts, large events, conferences, in the subway, or in the plane. So in places where normally you cannot uh, message people. Perfect. And you mentioned mesh networking. Tell us, uh, tell our listeners a little bit more about that for those who don't understand what mesh networking is. So I will um, put it in very simple words. When your smartphone cannot connect to the cell tower or cannot connect to um, a Wi-Fi hotspot, it creates direct connection to another smartphone nearby using the wireless radios available on the phone, so Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, and then it creates a daisy chain of smartphones. And all these smartphones in proximity are linked and create their own network. They grow their own internet, and we call that uh, a peer-to-peer mesh network. Does one of these phones in the daisy chain have to be connected to the internet? It depends what you want to achieve. Uh, if you there is no smartphones connected to the internet, then the messages or the information can flow between the smartphones nearby in proximity, and it, they can hop, so they can go from one phone to another. If one of the device, uh, one of the smartphones is connected to the internet, then there is the opportunity to retrieve information directly from the internet or to send back information to the internet through the daisy chain of smartphones. What was the first event that this was used at? So the um, the first, uh, I mean, first we launched the application on March 20th, and uh, 
it was a demo app, but it got a huge success from the very beginning. We were number one in 15 countries, in the top 10 in 100 of 15, 115 countries after 15 days. So a big surprise. And the first event that uh, it got used was in Taiwan during the student protest, the Sunflower Movement, when the government wanted to shut down the Internet, which did not happen. But the students installed the app to be able to communicate for, with students who were inside the parliament and outside the parliament. Have you been promoting the app in any way? How did the students in Taiwan, for instance, hear about FireChat? I think they just knew about the technology. They just uh, read about it in the press because we got a lot of... Um, uh, exposure when we launched the application because obviously it's a new technology. It's, uh, I would say, uh, very disrupting and uh, it's paving the way of the new internet, a complete transformation of the way people will connect in the future in mobility situation. Okay, and uh, we, well, we all know that it's been really successful here in Hong Kong. Um, is this the biggest success you've had so far in any single place? So it's the... Um, the first time that we have that many users uh, signing up to the application in such a, sh a short period of time located in the same place. How many users are we talking so about? So we, we are talking about almost half a million uh, people in Hong Kong who sign up onto the application in uh, less than a week. Uh, that means uh, from time to time around uh, thirty-five to 40,000 uh, connected user at the same time. That means they were on their phone exchanging messages or looking at the screen of the application. So it, it is huge. It's really, uh, um, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's huge. When did you first start realizing that something was up in Hong Kong? I mean, were you sitting in your office on the other side of the world and suddenly you saw numbers flashing from Hong Kong? Tell me a little bit. How did this, how so did this the happen? So the story is, is pretty funny. I, I was on a business trip uh, back from India, Bangalore, in transit in Hong Kong. I had uh, meetings in, in China, in Shenzhen, and I happened to be in Hong Kong on Saturday. Um, like uh, in the last few months, I was complaining that we didn't have uh, a lot of users in Hong Kong. And on Sunday, when I looked at uh, basically the messages on FireChat that were fl flowing like crazy and new chat rooms being created, well, I quickly realized it was linked to the, to the event. And uh, we got like more than 100,000 people who were signing up on the, during the day of Sunday. So, so total can, surprise. Wow. It's, it, I mean, it's obviously gotten a lot of traction. And you have you prolonged your stay in Hong Kong because of it? Uh, have you been speaking to protesters? And have you learned anything from them about your own app in the last, has it been, it's been less than a week? So, yes, I did stay and decided to stay in Hong Kong because of the event and what was going on which is, uh, um, I mean, extraordinary uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the life of uh, this, uh, this company and uh, actually for the improving also the, the, the product. It's a, it's a fantastic opportunity. We got, uh, I went in the protest, I met students, I asked them how they were using the app. We got uh, feedback and comments. Like one of the very important feedback was that they couldn't read all the messages because it was going so fast. And we had so many people, so we, we worked on that. We actually uh, did a lot of, uh, of a new release during this last week and uh, to, to enable a better user experience and enable uh, the people who use the application to be able to read these messages that were arriving pretty, pretty fast. How does it make you feel to know that your app is associated with protests? So I think it's... a. Uh, well, you could say it's an accident because it was not built for protest. Uh, it's uh, built as a communication tool and an entertainment platform. 
And uh, I mean, it's still big for, for that purpose. And I would say because it is a great communication tool and because it is a, a very disruptive technologies, uh, technology, it enables uh, them to, uh, to work in situations like protest. And what happened on Sunday, for example, the whole mobile network was congested. Uh, during the protest, and students um, were able to keep on messaging and uh, send information and receive information when that happened. And I think the, the app is used for two main purposes. The first one, you can broadcast information to a huge number of people in a very, very easy and simple way. You don't need to know these people. You just need to have a common interest, and then you can send these messages to thousands of people at the same time, and they will get notified for that if they wish. So that's that's uh, an important uh, feature of uh, FireChat. And the second is the ability to keep on working when there is no uh, cellular data network or no internet. Tell me, have you been contacted by police anywhere in the world, not just Hong Kong, or governments wanting access to data? Because one of the key features of FireChat is that you can be anonymous and you can sign up anonymously. Um, has anybody contacted you wanting information about certain posts? So no one contacted us so far. Clear and precise. <laughs> Thank you. Um, let me ask you, what um, advice would you give to your users? So um, if you wish to remain anonymous, um, just don't use your real name. <laughs> so that's the advice we give to our users. And other than that, uh, the more people on the, are on the application, have the application, and the better the network uh, works. So we invite people to tell their friends and uh, to talk about the application. We often associate social media with teenagers sending messages and photos to one another. But businesses around the world are using it to engage with existing customers and acquire new ones. How companies behave on social media during events such as the Olympics or how they respond in the aftermath of a crisis reflects strongly on their brands. Helping them through the communication storm that is social media is my next guest, Fergus Hay. He's the Asia-Pacific Managing Director of Social at Ogilvy. I started off by asking Fergus how important he thought it was for businesses today to not only be present on social media, but actually have a strategy around it. I think it's not just a question of importance. I think it's a question of survival. I don't think a company right now can survive unless it has a really deeply ingrained social media strategy into its marketing. And really, that's because the landscape has changed. You know, 50 years ago, it was very easy for us to make a commercial that would tell the consumers the message that we wanted them to know. Drink this product and look this great. It was that simple. Now, consumers can find out so much more about um, brands through social. They can find out about products, what their friends think of those products, which is, of course, much more compelling than any any corporate message they, they would hear. They can find out what reviewers think of the products, and they can also find out some of the mistakes brands have made. Because of that, brands need to lean forwards and engage in the conversation. They need to be able to present good stories, presented really, really well based on human insights, and then have conversations with consumers through all the different social media touch points that are available to them to build integrity. Okay, that's interesting. You, you mentioned the word conversations. Um, social media is a two-way conversation, not always a pleasant one. There are times that things just go um, bottoms up, as they would say. <laughs> and uh, so social media is actually a part of crisis management planning in companies today. Tell me a little bit, and if you have some examples, of how social media is helping companies in difficult times well, like everything, it's a um, reflection of my marriage. So, um, you know, if I have an argument with my wife, I've got two choices. Either I storm out of the building and close the door behind me, which normally is not a good idea, or I stay with her and we chat, it, we chat and we work it out. And social media is exactly the same. What a brand 
does really badly is to ignore any issues that arise out in the market and not engage in a conversation with the consumers. An example of that which really backfired was for McDonald's when there was the um, meat um, integrity uh, issue out of the Husi factory in China. Hong Kong McDonald's put out a denial saying that they, um, that they used the meat from that factory. And then we found out through social media that, in fact, they did use that, me that meat. Because of that, there was a huge uproar. They've lost, they lost their integrity as a brand and they saw a massive slump of sales in Hong Kong and, or, and in the mainland China. So the, uh, the flip side of this was the Lufzig incident um, with IKEA. They had produced this beautiful wolf um, soft toy uh, that was designed for kids and was going to raise money for charity. And a local anti-political group took it as their icon for, uh, for their movement. IKEA had two choices. They could either kill the whole initiative and try to disassociate themselves from a potentially difficult political situation, or they could lean in and say... We're not interested in the politics. We love this um, toy, this uh, stuffed toy, because it raises money for charity, and we will help keep producing them so we can raise more money for charity. A great way of engaging in a social debate without causing any issues either side. Okay, and tell me, do established companies such as Coca-Cola or Disney, for example, um, whose brands are actually a huge part of their assets, would you say in your experience that they use social media in a different way compared to companies that are brand new and who don't, who haven't yet reaped the benefits of a well-established brand? That's such a good point. Actually, there's a kind of a marketing maturity curve of, of, of companies. People like Disney and, and Coke have been real innovators over the last 10 years. They've been driving great, great initiatives such as the Penguin Club from Disney, which was a gamified kids social network, which was really fantastic. Coca-Cola have got listening centers across the whole of Asia, which are permanently looking for um, trends and topics and issues that consumers raise and engaging them in conversations. I'll interrupt you there for a second. You mentioned listening centers. Yeah. Tell me a bit more about that. So this is, uh, it does sound quite CIA, doesn't it? <laughs> Very much but, so. Um, that, my ears. Uh, but this is, this is uh, piece, uh, groups of people who sit there and look for anyone who's talking about brand Coke. So if someone is saying, um, I loved my Coke today, or my Coke was flat today, or I didn't like Coke, or I did, or there was something about the Coke recent campaign that I liked, Coke have an opportunity to engage with them through any of their social media platforms. And just to specify, when we say listening in and talking about, we're talking about talking about through social media. Yeah, that's so right. Writing, chatting. That's right. And it's normally on Coke's social portals. So okay. if someone is on Coke's Facebook page or using Coke's um, hashtag um, uh, trends on Twitter, then, then, then Coke have a right to engage. Coke would never listen into people's private conversations. Actually, they can't. Um, but it, they would listen into the conversations about their brand on their own portals and that allows them to engage in a conversation that is meaningful for both parties. Quite often I hear uh, comments from users uh, complaining that they're trying to get in touch with companies and the companies are simply not responding. So they'll tweet them, mm. they'll uh, forget the email part, but actually using social media, they'll send them a Facebook message, they'll tweet them and they don't hear anything back. Mm. I, that really makes my heart sink when, when I hear that. You know, most companies, when they've engaged in a social media strategy and working with a partner like Ogilvy, they'll have a really, really clear social media strategy, set of uh, touch points that consumers can engage with, and we'll have people ready to engage. And we manage communities with clients in order to respond to what consumers are saying, any grievances or any positive comments as well. You're British. You've lived in North America, in the US, and mm. you're now in Asia. You've been here a few months. Based on your experience so far, do you think Asian companies have a different view or a different approach to using social media? You know, I've I got so much admiration for America. They really do business in a very smart, entrepreneurial, innovative and fast-paced way. They're, they're the, far, the first movers. Lee Kuan Yew in his book, The Great Grand Chess Master, talks about America being the globe's innovators. And Asia does a great job of copying. And that's OK. America is the fast, first mover. 
maneuver in all of its social media. But it often comes against bureaucracy because the companies are so big and so developed to actually implement social media in uh, or social in, in marketing is very, very complicated and difficult. What I love about seeing in Asia is people are willing to copy what's been done really, really well and then move it to market much, much faster. And I think, you know, that's a really fascinating trend um, in Asia. The second thing I really like is seeing developing countries leapfrog the desktops and tablets and uh, tablets um, phase that most of the Western countries went through. Now that smartphones are becoming so prevalent in the likes of Indonesia and now even entering into Myanmar, you see people leapfrog the expense of buying a desktop and actually access the internet and social through their phone. That means the growth is exponential and it also means that the likes of Line and WhatsApp and WeChat um, become so important to, uh, to brands as they build relationships with their consumers. There's also something happening big in the social media sphere here in Hong Kong next week. Do you want to tell me about that? That's right. So Social Matters has, social matters has been um, Asia's leading innovation and social media conference for the last few years. It's based out of here in Hong Kong. It's on the 14th and 15th of October. And this year we're focusing on businesses that have built their business around um, social media and the effects it can have on them. We've got some great names coming. We've got the executive producer of True Blood and Friends flying over from LA to talk about how social media pro propelled his brands. We've got Vice Magazine, Coca-Cola, Unilever, Microsoft. And we've also got Zach Kinn, the world's most famous Vine editor, um, coming over okay. to show off his And work. just very quickly, where can uh, listeners get more information and possibly get tickets? Head to socialmatters.asia okay. and, uh, and you can get tickets as of today's fantastic event. Fantastic. You'll learn a lot. Okay, wonderful. Thank you very much. So for our final segment, which is all about mobile apps, I'm joined this week by Bess Hepworth. She is social media director at Out Leadership, and she's this week's app goddess. Welcome, Bess. Thank you. It's great to be here. Excellent. So you and I, we compare apps all the time. We've got <laughs> way too many apps on our phones. Far but too many. <laughs> some of them are actually quite useful and um, quite creative and quite a lot of fun at the moment. So tell me the ones you're having fun with. Yeah, and we've been talking a bit about the power of visual and the power of connections. So to combine those two together. I mean, I've been really fascinated lately into looking at the trends of visual um, content marketing and, and curation. And you know that old adage of a picture's worth a thousand words. Yeah. I mean, that nothing is more true. In, we react in to pictures media. much more, don't we? We do. And you know, I heard this really fascinating statistic that our brain processes visual visual sixty thousand times faster than text. So. Right. I mean, that alone is So if we want compelling. to shine amongst our friends in the social media platform, we, right. we need some tools. We so need, tell me about some of these tools. We need to be visual, but we need, if we're going to be visual, we've got to look good. Um, okay. And not all of us are designers. So so what are you using? Thank goodness I found an app called okay. Word Swag. And it's okay. like having a graphic designer in your back pocket. And trust me, I am not a graphic designer. Okay. <laughs> and basically what you can do is take your own photos and your own footage and then choose uh, text and and typography and the different fonts over the top of it or you can choose the word swag have their own images you can choose as well so okay so really if, when I fun. when I get these sort of messages from friends which are invitations and rather than just send sometimes I get the odd one which isn't just let's meet up for drinks this Friday night somebody has actually gone to some bother ah. or what I thought was a lot of bother but now <laughs> I see there's this is oh. what they're doing <laughs> yeah well it's definitely designed to look good and you know this is the industry and this is the time we live in where we need things quickly mm -hmm. um, and so word swag is a fantastic tool to make you look good. People are using it in events, um, okay. online tweeting, for instance, rather than just tweeting, they're very quickly popping up a, a graphic and it, it gets shared. Something like 40% more visual content is 
share. Of course. So yeah. until recently, I wasn't getting a lot of shares, and now I'm I'm really seeing a huge jump. And we're scanning, you know, yes. information overloads, so much going on. So you want things to jump out. Like I said, word swag makes us look great. Good. So whether you're trying to uh, impress your uh, group of moms at the next play date, <laughs> yeah. or um, Friday night drinks, or even for business, or for it's your a, business, it's a absolutely. App. Don't okay. underestimate the power of it. And what else have you been looking at? So Instagram. I mean, I know that's been around for a long time, mm-hmm. but again, relaying it to what, what is it evolving to be? It's definitely evolving to be a fantastic business tool. But we're also talking about connection today right. and and using the power of hashtags, which is what Instagram thrives off. That little tic-tac-toe symbol for the a lot of other people. I, I love how you <laughs> describe that. Exactly. Um, you know, there's been amazing communities, uh, you know, minority groups or if there's a particular issue or a thought leader that you want to follow or or you don't even know who they are. You're looking through the, the content on the hashtag and obviously up pops, pops up all the visual and you can use word swag directly to Instagram, also to Twitter and Facebook. I love it. It's so all inter- nice integrated. Nice connection. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of people think Instagram is just for um, filters on making pictures look like they're from the <laughs> 1970s. But And teenagers in particular, have mm. a lot of them have, are moving away from the likes of Facebook and Twitter, which they're yeah. finding a bit crowded, and they're yeah. moving into Instagram, for example. It's one of the popular ones. And that's where they're having their conversations because yeah. you can actually interact and have a full conversation around a picture. You absolutely can. And again, just to relay it to business. I mean, I've set up a global business deal just because I've had someone connect with me on the comments on Instagram. And that that's an incredible thing. I never would have expected that to happen. Sure, but the power so of people social are media. Looking. Yeah, yeah people lots are of looking. social listening going on. Okay, and um, what's your last one? Well... Pinterest. And <laughs> Scrapbooking to the max. Exactly. Some people know about it, others don't. The clue is in the name. Pin okay. your interest. Okay. And again, you mentioned scrapbooking. It's very much like that. It's the online version of the old scrapbook that we used to put the recipes in in the 1950s. Um, but what's fantastic about it, it's not just for housewives. It might be for real estate, businesses, anybody that has a particular interest or genre will break it up and into boards. And then you can pin your interest and categorize everything and archive it. It's absolutely phenomenal. And of course, having the mobile app means that whether, you know, you can use your time when you're in a taxi. Pin in the taxi. Yes, I'm a big pin. And people who follow you can see what your interests are because you can make pins private or public. Yeah, that's right. You You can can collect your own private information. Yeah, that's right. You can have secret boards, which Mm -hmm. is great. So maybe you've fallen pregnant and you don't want anyone to know. (laughs) Maybe you don't know if your fiance or partner is going to propose to you, but you're planning the wedding. A secret way. Oh, I was thinking more secret, <laughs> secret birthday parties. But secret sure. birthday yeah. party. There you go. Um, but also for business, um, it's a great way to. It's like show and tell for grown-ups as well. Sure. That's you know, a great, way, a great way to to visually demonstrate what you're doing. We, for our leadership, post on all our events. In a, in a board individually and the press that comes with that as well. Great to clip Excellent. your content. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Bess. Thank you. Thanks. Well, that's it for another week of 28 Tech, the show that looks at how technology is changing, improving and disrupting our lives. To get in touch with me or re-listen to this and all previous episodes, head over to the website rthk.hk. There you'll find more information about my guests and all the apps and gadgets we talked about. (laughs) 